My name is Dr. Joanna Pagonis, and welcome to Tackle Tuesday. Tackle Tuesday is a podcast series that tackles different issues in the workplace. We explore topics such as leading with emotion, diversity and inclusion, and how to create resilient and agile work cultures. Today's episode is sponsored by Sinogap Solutions. We work closely with emerging leaders to help you develop a clear vision of your authentic self and to discover your passion and how it aligns with your purpose. Once you have a clear understanding of your purpose and vision for your future, you'll be able to discover your path for continuous growth along with the energy and enthusiasm necessary to sustain you during the most challenging moments in your life. We encourage you to visit our website at SinogapSolutions.com and explore the courses we offer that will help you develop the mindset and capabilities to be an inspirational leader. Leadership is not something you are born with. Leadership is something that you learn. And knowing what your values are and how they guide your leadership approach is a critical component in your leadership development journey. That's why this week I was excited to meet with Justin Yasub, who is the Director of All Around Consulting. Justin has a really interesting biography, which I'm really excited to share with you. So in 2012, after a grueling 10-month course, Justin joined the Canadian Special Operations Regiment as a Special Forces Operator. He was deployed to multiple regions, including North Africa, the Middle East, and the Caribbean. Justin was awarded the Bravery Medal by the Governor General for his actions during an international operation. He was also awarded a Commander's and two Task Force Commander's citations for his teamwork and leadership during his operations. And most recently, Justin was recognized by McCune University as a distinguished alumni. Justin also develops and facilitates leadership courses at McCune University and Nate in Edmonton, Alberta. So during our conversation, we explored what values-based leadership is, how to identify what your core values are, and how they become a part of your identity. Justin and I also discussed how living your values contributes to developing an authentic leadership approach and style. Now, if you're seeking ways to develop and or improve your leadership approach, you have to to listen to today's episode. Listen to Justin's words of wisdom and his perspective on what it means to lead an authentic way. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tackle Tuesday. I'm so excited to have Justin Yasub on the show today. Justin, welcome, and how are you today? I'm doing really good. I'm excited to be on your show as well. Me too. Uh, one of the things that I didn't mention in the uh, in the formal introduction that I gave before we were starting our chat was how I met you mm-hmm. and why I wanted you to be on the show. And so I'll share briefly that because we did discuss that in our pre-recording interview or chat, I should say. But you were, and I think it was Grant McEwen, you Correct. were delivering a webinar on leadership. I forgot what it was called. Do you remember what it was called? It was like value-based leadership. I was about to say, I think it was called value-based leadership. I was going to say, I I know it's about values and leadership. So there Mm -hmm. you go. And as you were speaking, I connected so, so much with the concepts and the principles and that you were sharing in the webinar and your basic philosophy on leadership. Because as a leadership consultant myself, I believe that a central component required, if you will, to leadership is 
are, are knowing your values. And so I focus on that a lot. So to hear somebody else talk about that, I was drawn automatically to your philosophy. And then I connected with you because I was like, I need to have you on the podcast because we have yet to explore values, value-based leadership on the podcast. And I thought you would be the perfect person to dig into this concept with. So that's why I'm excited. But before we, (laughs) but before we get into it, I I always like to start off with a little bit of an icebreaker, you know, uh, to, to, for my guests to get to know who you are a bit better. Mm -hmm. And as I shared in the introduction, like you have a robust, very impressive uh, history and and I, I want to know how, you know, the experiences in your life, if you could share a little bit more about your history, your experiences, and how it led you to establishing All Around Consulting. Yes, for sure. So um, I guess it, it all depends how far we want to take it back. But I, uh, leadership, I, I've been blessed that my first exposure to leadership was at the age of 12 and joining the Army Cadets. And I was there for eight years and every every day you're exposed to leadership and or either being led or leading others. And the cool thing about any military organization is that they really value leadership uh, at every single level. So from from that, I going into high school and having that background, I saw myself being, you know, the president of the, the UN club and I'm sorry, the president of the uh, student union and, and playing different roles where I could support my community and taking on those leadership uh, positions and moving into university, same thing, you know, president of the UN club, president of the, uh, political science club. So I'd always find myself in those leadership roles. Um, and I, I really did enjoy it. So with a career in the military, obviously leadership is a big one, right? And I guess what led me to all around consulting is, is really my experience at, uh, as a special forces operator. And when I first got there, I was very, very focused on on the task at hand, which is, uh, you know, finding the enemy and, and doing what we need to do and getting an understanding of who they are and what they do. So, you know, the majority of my literature and my books and my lead and my research was always about, you know, terrorist organizations. And as I was progressing through the leadership structure there, that shifted and it became more about leadership. And, you know, we have to function at a really, really high performing level as, as us as special forces operators. And I wanted to get a deep understanding of what that is. And my passion towards that led me to, to get out and just speak a little bit more about leadership and the importance of being a leader in a high performing team, but in any team too, whether you're a parent or, or an owner of a company with three people or 10 people or 200 people. And that's pretty much where my leadership journey kind of started and where, why I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, you you mentioned the Canadian Special Forces. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what what is different for, about being in the Special Forces than being in any other, what do you call it, fraction of the military? Yes, mindset is a, is a big one, I would say. Not to say, you know, there's uh, different mi- mindsets in, in the regular military, but uh, the culture and the mindset of a special forces operator is, is, is continuous improvement, continuous growth. You know, we, we have a mindset where we don't, uh, we don't do something until we get it right. We keep doing something until we can't get it wrong. And the difference between those two is massive. That could be from, you know, if you want to hit a target, you, you know, you fire 200 rounds and then you're able to hit a target center mass from say a hundred meters. Right. Not to get that wrong might mean you have to go up up to 5,000 rounds to do that, to make sure you never get it wrong. 
So that 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 gap requires a lot of accountability and discipline to kind of uh, complete, right? Resiliency too. Sorry, I'm interrupting you, but I'm thinking resiliency too. Big time. Resiliency is a big one, and of course, I'm a big fan of believing resiliency is built. So through that through that process, you're building a lot of resiliency to kind of take on other tasks as well. Right. And so it seems like this mindset you had was a part of who you were, your DNA, before you got into the special forces. Mm-hmm. How did it evolve when you were in the special forces? Um, so, yeah, like uh, that mindset of, of really digging deep and thinking about who you are and what you want to do was big for me. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm born to immigrant parents and um, I got to live outside of Canada a little bit and travel a lot when I played handball and, and uh, with the UN club and different things like that. So I got to see the world. And the more I saw the world, the more I appreciated Canada and who we are as a nation and studied political science. I got even further understanding of, of the Canadian fabric and, and who we are as a nation. Uh, that really solidified who or my role or why I wanted to go to the special forces and do what we do there. Right. So t- to your question about the mindset piece, the reason why it's important is because there's depth to the choices I make. Mm-hmm. And as an SF operator, there's always depth to the decisions you make. There is depth to your purpose and there's depth to your reasoning. Um, and that requires, like you said, uh, resiliency, but also ongoing commitment to the choices that you make. It sounds like you just define what leadership really should be and mm-hmm. is. And is, yes. Growth mindset, embracing failure. Mm-hmm. Not letting it stop you, but working through it. Yeah. Um, and there was some resiliency, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, you need that. I think, how, how can you have a growth mindset if you're not resilient? You need to be resilient to have a growth mindset. Exactly. I think they go hand in hand. You're right. right. There. Do you think these are traits? I, I know we're going off. I, I sent you the questions mm-hmm. before yeah. and we're going off a little bit, but you just said something that kind of made me think of something. I want to get your thoughts on it. Because when I was doing my research, on leadership. And it was not, it actually wasn't even on leadership. It was how do managers learn? Mm-hmm. And and naturally we started to explore my my myself and my participants like that that's the conversations we were having. And they had this innate belief that you're born to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And you talked about some really specific traits that are critical in being a leader and we just laid them out. Mm-hmm. Do you think these are things you're born with? Can they be developed? So uh, you know what my first definition of leader, the first definition of leadership I learned about was the art of influencing human behavior to accomplish a task desired by a leader. And the word art really got to me. So because it was an art, I thought you must be born to do this. Like artists, I, cause I can't draw at all. Like, you know, I maybe sketch a, my last a stick art. figure. Yeah. A stick figure or like, <laughs> I'm good know, with stick figures too. <laughs> where, where my targets might be or something like that. I don't know. Okay. I, can't, I can't, that's the old, that's the max thing I could go with, with it. But the so because it was an art and my perception of art is that it's born to be able to dance that good or draw that well. That's where I associated art. I assumed right away that same with leadership, you know, and then you 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 uh, kind of going through high school, you're le- reading about leadership and politicians and them being leaders. And often they, in the literature, it says they had a you know, they were born to do this like they always were like that. So I was a big believer that uh, leadership is, in fact, and you're born with it or you're not, right? Until I started my leadership like studies, like the depth portion of it. And it is definitely learned. 
I am a big believer now that it is learned because I continue to grow and I continue to learn about leadership. And um, it's and I, I'm getting new characteristics, right, and new attributes that I need diff- when I'm working with different teams or different companies or different clients. So I, I, I'm a strong believer that you definitely learn it. I'm, I'm glad you said that or else we would have definitely gone off the track mm-hmm. of value-based leadership and had gone into a debate about yeah, whether yeah. it's born or you can learn. And I'm glad you said that because when I dug in deeper with my participants and asked them, well, how did you learn to be a manager? How did you learn to be a leader? They shared things like, you know, by observing others, mm-hmm. getting feedback, developing more self-awareness, uh, trying, failing, and learning. Cool. You know, some of the things that you said, not, you know, I, I never challenge my participants. My role is to listen mm-hmm. and then analyze data after. But I'm like, as I was analyzing the data, I'm like, they clearly stated that they learned it, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you said that. Okay, let's, so let's transition now slowly out of the conversation we're having about your experience in the special forces. You did talk about how, how it influenced your leadership qualities, your leadership development. Um, let's start talking about values and, and the link between values and leadership. But before we get into that, I want to create a shared understanding of what values are. I think we, a lot of people talk about values. A lot of people know everybody has values. Companies have values, right? Can you, how do you define values? Like, what are they? And then, and then maybe, you know, talk a little bit about what role do they play in leadership? For sure. And that's, it, I think it's, it's, it's very personal, the definition of values. And I think a lot of words have to have multiple definitions. Okay. And I think it's key because we are so dynamic as humans. How could we like be so concrete when it comes to something that is so relevant to us, right? So I'm a big fan of, of, of allowing people to have their own definition of what values are or multiple ones, company values in comparison to personal values, home values and all that. So um, with that, I think the definition, uh, if, I, if I was to give you an exact definition, I think we would pigeonhole ourselves and we're not able to explore it as, as, as much as we want to. And uh, I, I, what I would do right now is challenge the listener to reflect back on what they believe values are. And how many definitions they would potentially have for it. Because we throw the word values around a lot. I mean, we value money, but we also have integrity as a value, right? So, and it's like, oh, people are always like, what's your value? You got to be careful what your value is. And then, but it's different when people say, well, you got to be there for, or you got to fight for your values, right? So, and then with that, the only thing I would say about the definition of values is that it does have a, um, a time and place and okay. it, it is it is changing and it is uh, you could rate it. And here's what I mean by that. So your values, they could be how stressed or how important they are to your life could be on a scale of one to 10. And then how, when you want, and that scale could change based off time. It could be within a day or it could be, you know, within years, if I'm making sense there. Yeah. Yes. So it, this leads me to, nicely to the next question, because like, what are some misconceptions that people may have of values? Are there misconceptions? And some of the follow-up questions I have, and you've kind of answered them, but maybe we can get into it. It's like, can you have one set of values at home versus work? Do your values change over time? Can you have an endless amount of value? So mm-hmm. and I just threw a whole, like, I just kind of shot a whole bunch of questions at yeah. you, but let's, let's, let's break down the first one. Like, are there some misconceptions that people have about values? Um, I, I think, um, a lot of it, because 
when it was what in the early 80s someone came up with this this thought about values and how important they are to companies right so companies just you know for companies just took them and they just started throwing them in every mission after every mission statement and they lost their value values lost their value a little <laughs> yes, bit yes you know? yes because every company just you it, it's so easy now you just google you know amazon you want to follow their values and you you just do your own research you're like oh yeah that word's good i'll use integrity i'll use loyalty and i'll use enthusiasm i'll use fun in my as as a company right um or, or this this big value is family or work-life balance that's a value right yeah um that one has been thrown around a lot or family matters right so those values uh so the misconception is that we don't have to take them seriously okay because they're people put them on 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 their website or they put them on their wall but they don't define them fully so one the definition isn't fully and the other piece is that it was not the right value to come in because they didn't dig deep and understand exactly what values are going to make them who they are today and and tomorrow Right. Uh, yes. I, I say I do have a course on resiliency and agility and leadership, and I talk a lot about values there. And one of the things that I say is, you know, when you think about your values, think about it this way. And you tell me what you think about this. But I always say they really make up who you are. They're 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 like a part of your DNA structure, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if they were to be ripped from you, you would cease to be the person you are today. Yes. And so when you think about your values and you look at this long list of potential values you can choose from, like a cookie jar of values. Oh, what fun. We can choose from all these values. But before you start going mad and say, saying, this is important, this is important, this is important. Well, think about it. Like if you had to just choose three, which ones would it be? And could you live without one of them? And if you could live without one of them, if, 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 you could still be who you are without that value, then maybe it isn't a core value. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts on, on my interpretation? I love that. And okay. it, that's I, very accurate. And I would, what, with that comment and that mindset, what I, what it led me to is that actually the progression of values from being a value to an identity or to mm. a characteristic. Here's, here's what I mean by that. Um, in, so for example, integrity, uh, for my fir- starting out, um, you know, in my leadership role, that was a value for me, right? But I now I say that's who I am. So it's moved from value to it's part of it's my part of my identity or credibility, right? So that means when when we're having a conversation and we're having a we're questioning something that's to do with integrity, that's going to question my credibility. It's questioning who I am as an individual, not just my value, right? Right now, I'm going to value family time over business with COVID, right? And all that kind of stuff. But that could potentially change. Or maybe on, you know, depends how my life journey goes, family becomes my identity. Therefore, I will not work past 430. Therefore, I will not take a business trip anywhere outside outside of Edmonton unless my family's coming along. It becomes who I am, right? So that, that, that piece is always, uh, I think there's a transition. And I, when I started realizing that the transition is there, it makes things easier and you can bring in more values as some shift to be concrete and others just kind of move Okay. Because that was my next question. I like the word transition. Because I was like, can you, can do values change over time? So you spoke a little bit about that. Can, can we talk a little bit more about that transition? And because mm-hmm. I always thought ch- values don't change over time. I have made that statement and yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, Justin, I'm rethinking it. So, okay. Can values change over time? Is there a difference between change and transition? Yes. Yes. Okay. And th- you know what? This is a big one that I've kind of realized recently, the importance of 
value, your individual values changing. And of course, we're probably going to get to it, but we'll talk about it now. Values, yeah. your own values and your company values, right? Yeah. And it's so important because we, I do believe as humans, we're dynamic and we're always changing and evolving and adapting. Our values are going to as well. Okay. When we get to an organization, if the organization doesn't allow for the dy- the dynamics of a human and their changing values, um, they kind of, it. I, I'm, they pigeonhole their employees. And I'm going to use pol- police, police as an example, okay. since we both have a connection to it. So coming in as, as a police officer, you know, you're at the age of 23, 24, you're single, life is good. You're, you're working four on four off, but what it, the way it looks is you're working six on one off, right? Cause you're, you're, you love the job. It's your life. That's all you're doing. You're pulling in a lot of hours. The company values that values the fact that you're committing so much. There's room for it. They, they love it. They're, they're encouraged. They're supporting you. They're paying you for it. They're rewarding you for it. They're making sure that you're not going, you know, 10 on zero off to just remain healthy, which is one of their values. And, and, you know, so it's good to go. You, you meet the love of your life. Things are good. You'd want to start a family or you want to spend more time with, with, with him or her. Now our value is going to shift a little bit and I'm okay with just a four to five. I'm only doing, you know, four the actual hard four on four off shift. Right. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm valuing a little bit of building a relationship being more than just I am, or maybe you get a volunteer group or whatever you decide. So the values shift from work and then you get a family and you're like, okay, four on four off night work night shift is not doing it for me. I need, I need to go nine to five somewhere. The organization will allow that for you. So your values now have become more family oriented than just work oriented. And I, I mentioned, you know, policing is because they have all those positions in the organization to reflect your values. You as a you could go work the front desk from from nine to five, or you could, you know, become an SRO or uh you know different different roles within within policing. So your values change and company value or the company should allow for those values to change as well. Change as well. And you said something that once again made me think. Um, so, and I'm going to put this out there. I guess it's a bit of a different spin on what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So let's say I value family. I love the example that you use with the policing, for example. Yes, because I mean, if anybody is a police officer married to one, you'll know that you look around and the majority of your friends are in policing. (laughs) It really becomes a part of your identity, right? So, okay. So let's say I'm I'm a new police officer and I value family, something I've always valued as an individual before I became a police officer. And being a part of a law enforcement organization, I feel like now I'm a part of this family. Mm -hmm. So I'm single, let's say, but now I identify, and I'm using this, it's really a personal example, because when I left Montreal, and I moved to Calgary. I started working for Calgary Police Service. And I family was always a value I had. But it shifted it didn't it in terms of who I saw as part of my family shifted. Mm-hmm. And so I started to see people at work as part of my family. Uh until I like you said, I met the love of my life and ended up leaving Calgary Police Service and moved to Edmonton. But family was always a value of mine. But just who how I defined family and who fit in there changed it shifted so the core value is still family but in terms of how i interpreted family mm-hmm. and what consisted of family shifted and evolved exactly. could that still could, does that make sense yes 100%. okay so it can shift in that way too for sure I would, okay I would, again like and this is the thing is that uh 
we're dynamic. And yeah. this is the thing about leadership. The hardest part about leadership is, is the fact that we have to lead people, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, why? Because people are dynamic. That means mm-hmm. our styles have to be dynamic. Um, doesn't mean that we have to be, we have to, you know, we'll talk about this after probably, but it doesn't mean like I have to tailor to every single style. Or like that. But yeah, like you, you have your own values and your own style as a leader and that's going to gravitate certain people towards you. So lead them based yep. off that because credibility is a big deal. And that's, that's all, that all comes from your value base. So before we get into credibility and value-based leadership, one more question. Um, it's almost, it's a bit of a leading question, but can you have an endless amount? I think I know how you're going to answer it based on what we've just talked about in terms mm-hmm. of how they shift and change, mm-hmm. but can, is there a certain amount of values an individual must have? Is there such a thing as, oh, you have too many values? Like I did talk about the cookie jar values. Mm-hmm. That's so mm-hmm. much fun to pick from, but we hear things like core values. Like, is there a certain amount of values that people should have? Yeah, I would say, uh, there's like values. I, so there's just doing things right and the way you run your life and all that kind of stuff is one thing. So, you know, being honest, uh, uh, you know, not, not cheating, not, to stealing like those kind of things right they're right, there right uh but the the values that we're kind of talking about the ones we want you to write down and dig deep into and understand and walk the walk with yeah walk the walk with if there's like 200 of them man it's really tough right so I, I usually do i do a little a little um exercise with people and i give them a list of i think it's about 60 values 50 60 words i'm like okay circle all the, the words that relate to you that are value you value right or what identify with your values and usually it's like some people have the whole list some people have about 30 okay. i most most of them are over 20 and then i say okay now i want you to not look at other people what you expect from others and their values but you what do you expect from yourself and what action is associated with the value that you do and cut that list in half they cut the list in half because it's no usually problem. when we're, we're told, okay, what values you have, we're not thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about others. Like, okay, yeah. I, don't, I don't want someone to cheat. I want people to be committed. I don't want someone to, to lie. I want guys to be here on time and I want the lady, you know, like that kind of stuff. Right. We list it all, but it's like, is, is that, is that, is that reasonable? It's about what you think of others, but like, what do you, what right. can you walk? What, what walk can you walk? Right. Uh, well, yeah. The w- walking, the talk or talking, mm-hmm. the whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess it goes back to what I was saying, like, what are your core values that they were ripped from you? You would cease to be the person you are today. That's yes. one way to try to really think about how many values do I really have at the end of the day, if I look at it that way. Yeah. yeah. And like, I like what you said, it's focused on you, mm-hmm. not what you want other people to have exactly. as a value, but yeah. what you want for yourself. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, then let's, let's go to the next question because then I think that's a good, good lead in, into, you know, value-based leadership. So let's talk about the important role that values play in leadership. And and why do we have a concept called value-based leadership? Why do the two need to coexist? Credibility. Okay. And, you know, you do a lot of research. And um, when it comes to why you think a leader is a good leader or why you want to follow someone into battle or to work, or why do you want to wake up and go to work to work for somebody? credibility is always at the top of it and you when you say someone is credible there's a lot of values that follow that right and often with credibility you're walking the walk you're authentic and that's another word we're going to kind of focus on here usually credible leaders are authentic they're real and people that are real 
we go and hang out with. You have a beer with people that are real because you trust them. You build a level of trust there. Um, so credibility is, is key to leadership. And the values that you put around yourself will decide whether you are credible or not credible. That's why we want to dig deep and figure out exactly what they are. And when we define what they are and put them on our wall or share them with other people, we have to walk the talk, right? Yeah. So if, um, you know, if you, I, if you, uh, you know, if you value humility, for example, you shouldn't treat your leadership position as a privilege. Rather, you need to feel privileged by the fact that you get to lead amazing people, mm-hmm. right? If you, for another example, if you, your value is shared hardship, then you better be staying back a few hours to get a, a project done with your team. Shared hardship doesn't mean that you get to go home at 4.30. If that's your value and you want to maintain credibility, you will be there with your team sharing hardships. Mm-hmm. So those those pieces are are important to to do, and that's where that's what that's what gives you the strength of the leader is that people believe in you through your credibility. Right. Uh, there was this assistant deputy minister of labor, and she said um, she talked about the three C's, and I hope I remember them all: once credibility, consistency, yeah, and competence. And I think, although she defined them as three separate things, they're all interrelated. Mm-hmm. And I think what lends to credibility is you're consistent in your approach. Mm-hmm. That you say what you do, you do what yeah. you say, you walk the talk. Sure. You're competent. You know, you're not just likable. How many times have I heard somebody say, yeah, he's really a bad manager, but he's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't mean he loses credibility because he's incapable of achieving a goal. Yeah. He's incapable of following through on action, mm-hmm. you know? So I like that. I like how you use credibility because I think they are, they, they're all interlocked in arms. You know, they, they represented a person, credibility, consistency, and competence. They would be three's company. Mm-hmm. They'd be interlocked, you know, walking da- arm in arm, interlocked, walking down the street or living in an apartment together. <laughs> Sorry little flashback to the sitcom three's company but yeah yeah they they coexist yes. how do you how do you have one without the other mm-hmm. and and you've made me think of something else too like i think of the the leaders you know like so for example how do you say you value work-life balance because you talked about that's a value but then as a leader you're you're pulling in tw- 10 12 hour days you're working on the weekends you're sending emails to your employees on the weekends four o'clock in the morning you're up and you're sending it you know to do lists you know like how do you you lose credibility that way too. You yeah, you do for sure. And, but this is, this is a balance. Like, and I, I work with some business owners that are, that are like this. So if, if it's, if work-life balance is a credibility for you uh, or for your companies, sorry, doesn't necessarily have to be for you. Right. And that's okay. Because as a company, if I, we, you know, we both own companies, we understand that sometimes it's, it's tough. Right. And our, our family and our partners are going to understand that it is tough. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be that there's going to be that week or that month maybe or if we're going through COVID there's going to be a lot of hustle to try to get up and going get keep your company alive. So, but your credibility where it would show is that if you do in fact pull ten hour days, but you're and you don't send emails at two in the morning or at eight in the, in the in eight in the evening, but you could still be working that time right. Right now you're sacrificing some of your 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 company values in order to keep it alive. And that's okay. That's okay to do that. I mean, nothing is like 100% solid here, but uh, it's, um, 
it, it, it shows your credibility to, to keep the values among your people the same or be brave enough to say, hey, I know family balances are, are is it, but today, we're, that's why we talked about earlier, values do shift, right? The environment yep. shapes your values. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm going to ask you to just maybe give me an extra 30 minutes a day just to try to keep this company alive during this time mm-hmm. or uh, maybe take a, a pay cut, whatever it is, right? That you you would have to do that might affect the family or work-life balance. So how do values guide behavior? How should they guide behavior? Because that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. If you know what your values are and you can communicate them, then you can communicate when they need to, when you need to shift or transition your behavior within these values because of a certain circumstance. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Okay. Because being a manager, a formal leader is a tough job, as you know, Mm -hmm. and you get pulled in multiple directions. So how can we, how do our values help us during those tough times? Yeah, and that's that's it. You know, I think a lot of the companies that uh, are are doing really good are the ones that had the right, not the right values. Values that they kind of they they were going to test. They were going to go through the test of time in a way. Certain, like I work with a company called Event Temple, and they've got really strong some really strong values, and one of them is is grit. You know, they have, they had grit, they've had grit as a value for the last, I think, you know, four or five years. Wait, define grit, just in case people are not sure what that is. Yeah. So for, for that, well, for, for grit is, is another, another word of perseverance, like just getting through it, getting through it, getting through the suck, like we like to say in in the military, just getting through the suck. And if you train your people to do that from even in the good times, because there's a lot of small frustrations in the good times, but like getting through it, getting through the fact that this client is not replying or he's, it's a tough client or getting through, getting through the struggle of your own, own piece. You know, you're, you crashed your car and, and you know, the insurance is not covering a lot of it and you have to bus and like those, you get through it, just get through it. Use, use all that as an experience, use the grit to, to build your resiliency and, and, and your toughness. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when COVID came up, they're ready to go. It's just another, it's part of, part of, our, we already have the values to cope with this or deal with it. Right. Yes. So. I, I interviewed another person on my podcast and she was saying how they saw COVID because they had very strong values and they use their values to guide all the recruitment practices too. So they mm-hmm. hired people whose values align with theirs, the companies. Mm-hmm. But she said, she said the same thing as you did, Justin, like when COVID hit, they saw that as a, they saw it as a speed bump. They know it was more significant than that. But they they said we had everything in place and our values were one of them that we could anchor to that could get us through the tough times. Yeah. So that really aligns with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. You talked you talked a little bit about credibility, authenticity. Mm-hmm. What does leading in an authentic way look like? Um so this is this is the thing, is like your voice, you know, who you are. And um the importance of just digging deep, and I always like to use a dig deep because it's something. <laughs> but the the importance of just reflecting and and finding out who you are and what made you who you are, and that's that's part of your authenticity, right? Is who you are as an individual, uh, loving, appreciating, and showing gratitude to who you are as well as a person. Right now, it's so easy to go out there and and you know look at. Tony Robbins or, um, you know, reading Steve Jobs biography and all that kind of stuff and trying to be them Them. being Mm -hmm. their voice. And what I encourage people, I don't encourage people to do that. I encourage them to learn from them 
you know, you see what worked, but your authenticity is no, it's like uniqueness, right? Would you agree with me? Yes. A bit of uniqueness. And you are, I am unique in my own way because of my background, because of what I went through, because of what I've experienced. And you're unique in your own way for the same reasons, right? Now, in a company idea or, or a business idea, that your your environment influences your uniqueness, right? And your environment, same with you, like your environment and who you see influences your uniqueness. And I really, really like that. And I like to, to kind of... Um, ask leaders to to look at that uniqueness of who they've become through their interaction with their own company or their growth within their own company and maintain that. Um, because arguably, if we were to bring, if we were to bring um, Elon Musk to a simple, you know, business like a, a painting company, I don't know, or even, even, uh, you know, lead, to lead the, uh, the, the TAC team in Edmonton police or, or anywhere, he might do a terrible job right? He's really strong in his industry. And yes. You are very strong in your industry. So it's important to do the research and learn and all that, but not, not in a way to, to, to become somebody else's voice, like Oprah's or M&M's or yeah. whoever you, you kind of inspire to be. Use their strengths to build your own. Let, you are the filter of mm-hmm. all this knowledge that you're getting. And it, use that to kind of encourage and enhance your uniqueness and right. authenticity. Which starts with, like you said, digging deep and exploring oneself mm-hmm. and becoming more self-aware. Yes. Will lend to our authenticity. And so uh, we, you and I can both be authentic, credible leaders, but it doesn't mean we have to lead identical. It doesn't mean we have to have the same values. Yes. Which brings me to the next question, which is, you know, do men and women, from your experience, lead differently, mm-hmm. still maintaining credibility and authenticity? You know, like... Do, Ultimately, do values look different for men and women? Because, you know, we talk about male leadership traits versus female leadership traits. I believe they exist. They do. Mm-hmm. We can see in today's world, Jakinda Arden. Everybody talks about Jakinda Arden, how, what a phenomenal do- job she's done in New Zealand and how she's led, yes. you know, with compassion, empathy, mm-hmm. which is seen as a female trait. Gotcha. But before I answer my own question, I don't want to do that. Yeah. What do you think? What is your opinion around values in terms of women and men and mm-hmm. leadership traits? Do, do the lead, do leadership do values play a role in how women and men lead? Mm-hmm, for sure, they do one hundred percent. And I think, uh, I man, I w- I can't wait till I till I hit the point where I could define these attributes and not link them to gender, because mm. I, I like to refer that to them as feminine and masculine traits. I do too. Yeah, but I, it's like, but that's still we're in a world where we've got a little yep. bit of a gender battle. So yeah, uh, I don't want to offend the male, I don't want to offend the female, and. Uh, I want it to just be at its core. So I think it, I'm excited. Hopefully someone finds the research to get that better word um, and or has the time to kind of figure out what it is to throw all those those words or those traits, the yes. feminine one and masculine ones, just in different, identify them differently. Yes. So even though it's tough, I mean, I understand them. I understand that it's, it, I'm okay when someone says, oh, you got a lot of feminine traits. I, I'm like, awesome, right? Uh, or you got a lot of masculine traits. Great. We need both. Why? Yep. Because we're dynamic. Yeah. Both. So anyway, um, to the to the point on that, we do have different uh, genders bring different um, traits uh, and it, different leadership traits. Again, because the environment influences so much of who you are. And obviously, as a male, you're exposed to different things. And as a female, you're exposed to different things. What I try to do now in my leadership 
journey uh, is to empower and encourage feminine leadership traits. And I, I say this that some people find kind of controversial. But the reason why we are where we are today, the success of Western civilization, is because we've been led by strong, white, male leadership traits. And we need to pride ourselves with that. That's awesome. Like That's why we are where we are today. But we're also where we are today with the many issues that we're facing, whether it's the Me Too movement or the harassment in the workplace, the lack of equality, the lack of empathy, is because we've only had, not only, majority of our leaders be males. We are ready to change that boardroom. Not because we need more women in the boardroom. It's not that. It's because we need more feminine traits in the boardroom. And those feminine traits, women tend to have more of them than males. Why? Because as males, sometimes we don't think that those are those are uh, attributes that we need, right? Which is very contrary. So, because if you, if, I, if you go and you look at you know par- uh, fathers with kids, they obviously fathers have kids, but yeah, with the fathers, <laughs> <laughs> they um, you see a lot of the feminine traits within them, but they go to work and they don't use them. Mm. And my biggest pet peeve to be honest, is also in, in, in paramilitary and military organizations and organizations like high reliability organizations like, you know, the oil fields and trades and stuff like that. A lot of the women that get promoted, they get promoted and then they assume that they must have the masculine traits that their bosses had when everybody's just super excited to have somebody that might be more compassionate and more empathetic, but they crush those and they use a dominant and firm and kind of masculine male traits because they think that's what the role needs you know and this is interesting because if you do a a leadership survey among those um, organizations often you will get the alpha male attribute right and i always question them before they start the surveys to say don't do it as if you're in uniform do it as if you're at home i don't care it's not what the what you think or perceive the organization wants you to be as a leader it's who you are as a leader and, you know, when they do that, you'll see a lot of more of the feminine traits come in. And you said, like, some of those feminine traits are empathy, compassion. Yes. Uh, what are some other female versus male traits? So those are the, the two, I would say, two biggest ones. And active, active listening. Uh, I know that's, like, not a value or a trait, but it's, it's a skill that uh, a lot of uh, women tend to have. Because um, they, they, they approach conversations with care. So I guess compassion, right? Uh, a little bit less judgment. In, in, in the conversation and expectations, right? So though I know like it, it all depends on the person. Obviously there's, you get some people, some listeners are like, my boss is a female and she's not like that. <laughs> I understand that. But, uh, majority speaking, is, it's a lot yeah. of that. And you go, go, back, go back to my company. I would say my company is just my mom. It's, that's all. I, I, I focus on empathy, courage, self-sacrifice. Yeah. What every mom has done especially if you look at single moms or, you know, like, or single dads, it's what parents do. Empathy, courage, self-sacrifice. And the amount of empathy that that mom has for her child and the sacrifices or the courage to, to sacrifice self and body, self and body, they truly sacrifice their body. Yes. Yes, they do. And and that's a big win. Like there is no way I can't, that's where you could get a lot of leadership lessons from that, from that journey. From that decision alone to do that. I always you know? I say I say women tend to get I'll use the term punished. P 
penalized maybe yeah. when they decide to start having a family. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if they have to push the pause button on their career mm-hmm. the minute they start thinking about having a family. Yes. And they don't see those traits and those experiences that come from motherhood. And I'll even say parenthood, because if men also choose to stay home and raise their children and, and, and engage, you know, leverage and, and utilize, um, parental leave more, you know, even them too, they'll experience this, but the life skills that you learn from trying to raise another human being is, you know, definitely outweighs, I think any experience you can have in the workplace, but yet women are almost penalized for that. It's like, I remember a woman walked into my office. She was, she reported to me. I was leaving the organization. There was going to be an opening for a manager position. She wanted it, but she was hesitant. And when I asked her why she says, because I'm thinking about getting pregnant. Not that I am pregnant, Mm -hmm. which I still think even if you are pregnant, go for it. I'm thinking about getting pregnant. So I'm going to put pause on my life for the next several years until I can get pregnant in terms of my career. And I just don't under, I'm like, we need to start. I don't want to get into that. That will be another podcast that you and I can do. But like the point is, yeah, like some of these feminine traits or experiences you get from motherhood are not necessarily valued in the boardroom. No. And it's beginning to shift a little bit now, but. Yeah. Like this, I just, sorry, I know we're kind of close on time, but imagine, I mean, this is, that's, that's, I don't fully believe in systematic issues that are going in place in a lot of things, but this is one of them that I would believe. And because, because I, so I, I was working with an engineer uh, last week uh, in a company I, I work in or consulting, and he um, he mentioned how he doesn't have any direct reports right now, and that makes it very tough for him to kind of take on a different role in different companies because he hasn't had that role. He leads projects, right? Right. And now, or and there's there's he had a female counterpart. Imagine we valued. A mother, a, a, a person may, deciding to be a parent or a mother, as having direct reports. Imagine we val- when you you're like you don't. It's not a pause. Mm. It's not a pause. It's like I'm going to go develop as a leader, and I'm going to lead a. I'm going to lead this non-speaking, uh, yelling and screaming child, and I'm going to try to you know raise them and make them the best they can be for the next nine months. And I'm it's it's a personal journey of mine. Because you, but to me, I would write that in your annual report or an annual review as as a professional professional personal development. Imagine we looked at that as 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 leaders and as organizations. Because when you go home to be a mom, you're not going and just watching TV all day. We right, like you're going and you're working probably overtime every single day with minimal sleep. You're gaining attributes like perseverance and resilience and compassion and empathy and grit and sacrifice and courage. All those. We need to value those. I think even if you have that discussion with somebody that is putting the pause on the on their career, um, if you have that discussion with them, be like, no, I want you to go out there and I want you to become the come back as a, an outstanding leader. And I'm going to put you in charge of, of, of a group of four or five. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, and I agree. It will change. Me I hope so. We, we, you and I are going to do it. Okay. Okay. Same conversation at a time. <laughs> we should have a webinar just on that. Maybe mm. you and I, I guess that's another reason why I started the podcast. You were talking about this before I hit record, but it's, it's a way to start developing strategic partnerships with other consultants and other thought leaders to do some good work together. So mm. we'll stay connected. <laughs> 
Okay, now it's time for a keep it, start it, and drop it. And so everything that you've learned over your life and your career, I know I, initially the question was around value-based leadership, what would you keep, start, and drop? You could still do that, or you can make it broad. In terms yeah. of your life, your career, everything that you've learned, what would you keep, start, and drop? Okay, I did, I did read that question. And, okay. um, you know, I, I, would, I would keep my past, and I would keep my experiences, I would keep my uh, struggles. And I would, uh, I would keep my, my interactions and all that. What I, I would, I would stop, um, this, I, I don't know why I found that very difficult to, to answer, especially even on, on the values base. And I was hoping to get a pass on you, but, uh, so th- that's the piece I, I would, uh, I would keep. And, uh, what, what I, the next one is stop, right? But stop and start. Okay. So like, is there anything you would start? Yes. So, w- um, I think what I would start is, is writing. Uh, I need, okay. man, I, I just need to start putting a lot of my words on paper because, uh, I mean, through time you get more, more confident in, in, um, and you start believing more in what you're passing and you start form formalizing stuff. That's why I told you earlier, I like this cause it's recorded, right? So I need to start, uh, putting together things that would help people more than just the conversation I have with them, something. So that's my start, my stop or drop, sorry, is absolutely nothing. And I know okay. I'm challenging your question. No, because, challenge. Like yeah. you say, like, I mean, nothing has to be set in stone in life. <laughs> exactly. And and that's the thing about dropping. Uh, I'm Well, for me, I, I'm blessed to not have to drop, you know, a bad habits. I'm always, wor- I'm always aware of like the habits I'm building and creating. But if I, I do believe in the drop sentence, but for me at this time, I would drop absolutely nothing because there's, I, I'm so blessed and grateful to be going down a journey that is allowing me to learn from every single opportunity I'm reaching. Mm-hmm. If I was, you know, there's nothing for me to drop right now. Yeah, I like that. That's very inspirational, especially now. You know, I'm, as this episode will probably air in January, and I'm really curious to know what January will hold for us. We're in November right now, and we're we're both in Alberta, and we just got the news that there's going to there's more shutdowns and mm-hmm. uh, closures that are happening and restrictions, and it can get very exhausting and frustrating and tiring. And so to hear you say that. It's like you're you're embracing whatever comes your way hmm. and you're seeing it as an opportunity to learn, to be optimistic and hopeful. You didn't know, use those words, but that's the energy yeah. that I'm getting from you. And I appreciate you saying that, especially now. Mm-hmm. I need to hear that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, for sure. So. Any, any last words you'd like to share? And then after that, I want you to talk to us about what you're working on. And I'm going to obviously have your website and your LinkedIn contact information in the show notes. So if people want to reach out to you, they want to invite you to come and speak at their organization about value-based leadership, they'll, they'll know exactly how to connect with you. But yeah, so any last words and, and what are you working on that you'd like us to know about? Yeah. You know, the last thing I just going to say leading others and this is because this is what this podcast is about and who your audience is and who you inspire right? to those leaders, leading others begins with leading yourself. And you can't do that until you you're able to answer the fundamental question about who you are and that who you are is changing through what you're doing, what your experiences are, what your environments are. But it's important, you know, to reflect back on who you are every six months, every year, whatever you choose. And appreciate the fact that your environment is really creating a, a, a better and a stronger you every single time you come back to uh, address that. Don't look at it as a negative. That's a positive. You are growing and becoming and you're adapting. 
So when you have defined your values and found your inner voice, you will find the inner confidence necessary to take charge of your life and control what you can. And going back to your comment about, you know, this being in January and we're here in November and all these changes, just control what you can. The secret to leadership is to control what you can. Mm-hmm. Don't, there's so many unknowns, there's so many uncertainties, and there's so many, so, so many, uh, you know, ambi- there's so much ambiguity every day in life, not just in a, in a pandemic, obviously it's elevated a little bit, but I just encourage you to focus on what you control and the people around you, just tell them to focus on what they control, what they could see when the unknown is always, it's never good, especially in our minds. Cause we, we, we are people that like that. We have a negative bias, right? So I just encourage you to control what you can and, and focus on the knowing and lead your people towards brighter days through the knowing, through what you know, right. through what you could control. Yeah, that is a very stoic message. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're very stoic. I, Thank you. You could see Plato back there. Yeah, I'm a big oh, there. Oh, yes, yeah. I could see it. <laughs> yeah, big fan of oh, and 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 what are you working on right now? So right now, very blessed to be busy. I I have a really uh, good client, CNRL. It's a, it's a big client, and we're uh, we're working uh, on on just high performing cultures and. So my focus, I really enjoy working with HRO, high reliability organizations and, and people that are striving to, to build a high performing culture. Because I like to come into it not to focus on the negative, but to move the positives. And because, and that's, uh, I think it's important, especially nowadays, it's so easy to find negative. So I, I move into uh, organizations and I focus on their positives and I sit down with their worst or most negative person and I only take positives out of there and I walk out. and. Um, I, I bring those positives and I share it with everybody and that they've come from the ground and we build a, a program to move the good, the great to high performing, right? So because the good and the great always have high performing attributes in them, I just identify them, reward them, and we move everybody to to the uh, that next level. That next level, and it's it's okay. a little bit more fun to do that because yeah. you're still you're staying positive. Yes. And I'm not sitting with someone saying, "Hey, like we need to work on this with you." No. Let's improve what you're doing right now. This is really good and move it up, right? Moving yeah. that, shifting the bell curve instead of yeah. like focusing on the 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 the, uh, the left side of it. Right. It's a very strength-based approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're doing Movember too. That's true. So yeah, I, shout out to um, the Edmonton Police Cadets who inspired this. And uh, so I got to give them a big shout out there. They're, they're a great group of, great group of, of uh, youth trying to be leaders to not just themselves, but the community and they want to go serve the community. So I, I love that. I'm always there to help anyone that is interested in serving something bigger than them. So well done to them. They challenged me and I donated. And through the donation, I happened to make my own team uh, accidentally, but you know, it, I'm very happy to, uh, to be supporting and, and uh, to anyone that's, that's there. I want to give a shout out to the Edmonton police cadets. And if you've got kids that are interested in being in, you know, serving in the military or police, Check them out. They're uh, they're a really strong program. Wonderful. And as as a you know, my father has uh, prostate cancer, as I'd mentioned to you before the we hit record. So I thank you for taking part in this challenge and raising money for a good cause. The the only bad thing is I'm starting to like it. So maybe it'll stay for 2021. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? It suits you. Yeah, no one else likes it, but I think uh, I, I'm I'm starting to like it. So looks good. <laughs> oh well, that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much for for taking the time to have this wonderful conversation. We did go over our time, but sometimes when the conversation's flowing, I don't cut it. So it's going to be a bit of a longer episode, but I think it's 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 very it's a very valuable. 
uh, uh, episode. And I think lots of people will learn from it. And I did too. So I thank you so much for being on the show, Justin. Awesome. Thank you for having me. And thanks for you're doing welcome. what you do. It's good. They, yeah, you're, you're welcome. And so thank you everyone for listening. That is our show. And I look forward to tackling the next issue with you.